Father, we give you thanks. Lord, for a time like this, could assemble in your presence, could open your infallible word and learn truths about you, about ourselves, and about our dear Savior. Thank you for allowing us to worship you this afternoon. Now as we look into your infallible word, speak unto us. Man's words and man's wisdom are earthbound. But Lord, your, your word is forever settled in heaven. I have nothing important to tell this congregation, but you do. Therefore, I pray that you would, in your benevolence, remove all sorts of lethargy from our midst. And all manner of drowsiness and wanderings of our hearts. And may our hearts, affection and our minds, attention be fixed upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May you take your seats. Bless God. I invite you to once again turn your Bibles to the wonderful letter that Peter wrote to the scattered tribes. We continue our study in the book of First Peter and we come to verse 13 through verse 17. First Peter chapter 2 and I begin reading at verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. The theme of this passage, and indeed one of Peter's main themes, is submission for the Lord's sake. When you come to a passage such as this, there is a deliberate call by Peter to willfully submit. And just by way of getting a whole picture, let's look at few of the Verses where Peter invites people to submit. 
verse 13 and 14 that we read right now of chapter 2, it says, Submit to every human institution. And Peter does not leave us without an objective. The objective is in verse 15. It says the objective is silence the ignorance of foolish men. Again in verse 18 we find a direct command by Peter saying servants submit to your masters. And the result of that is given in verse 19 and 20. It says this finds favor with God. Chapter 3 and verse 1 is Peter's command to wives, it says, wives, submit to husbands. And the result of that is, so that you might win over an unbelieving husband. That's in verse 2 and 3. Verse 7 says, husbands, dwell with understanding with your wife, giving her due honor. Though the word submit is not found there, the implicit requirement of Peter is that the husbands should step down from their high horses and begin to dwell with their wives with understanding with the result that the prayers not be hindered. So in case you gentlemen plan to come tomorrow morning, treat your missus good beginning today so that your prayers tomorrow will not be hindered. Harmonious living among all is given in verse 9 with the result again in verse 9 you will inherit a blessing. And then in chapter 5 Peter calls the young believers to submit to elders so that verse 5 says you might receive grace. So you see brethren the call to submission is not a side issue. I want you to play, pay close attention to this. Submission, as far as a Christian is concerned, is not a side issue. It's not a peripheral issue. It's not that I would deal with submission to various authorities in one manner and I would continue my other Christian activities in a fairly different Submission to authority is something that we deal with on a daily basis. Right from the moment a child is born and he holds his conscience, he is subject to his parents. There is an authority that is set over him. Then as he grows up, he goes to school and there are tutors and teachers placed over him. He goes to university and there's the dean and every other teacher under the dean. The chancellor being the top authority. And then you go for employment, you have the employer. And then at home, those of you who, have, who are not working, you have, your, you have your husband as an authority. So authority is not a side issue. And that is what we are dealing over here and the command given in verse 13 is be subject. But we deal with this from the position of who we are. Therefore, 
before we even look at the commands from verse 13 to 17 and the explanation and the study of these verses, I want to build a foundation upon which you and I can carry out this command. It is easy for for us to leave this room today and to think that there is a set of rules I need to keep. There is a set of legal requirements that I need to follow. And that would be pharisaical if the spirit is not granted unto you. Paul writing to the Ephesians in 5 and verse 21 says, Be subject to one another. But even before that, in verse 18, he said, Be filled with the spirit. Therefore, subjection needs a foundation. I want you to have this foundation as foundational for all the imperatives. For example, one of the imperatives says that husband love your wives. What is the foundation? I know husbands are struggling probably to love certain of their wives. And some of the wives have, are having a hard time submitting to their husbands. That's another imperative saying, wives, submit to your husbands. Employees, submit to your master. So it's easy to go away from here thinking that I have a set of rules to follow, but I just don't know how. But then Peter knows our predicament and he points us to the cross. He points us to Jesus. At various points in Peter's letter, you find that he points to Jesus. And this is not a different case. Let's read verse 21 to 25 of chapter 2 as we lay the foundation. Consider Jesus. I do not intend to fully expound these verses right now. We would do that on different occasion. But let's briefly look at this verse. 21 through 25. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So you see, Peter begins to give the directives, but he does not leave us without a foundation. And that is where I also want to begin this message, by laying a foundation from where you could take up the requirement of living a Christian life in all spheres of your life, in all spheres of your influence, a wife submitting to the husband, 
as slaves submitting to the master and as citizens submitting to the government authorities. Now what is the foundation? Notice first of all, Paul wants us to see Jesus as our example. Verse 21. He says, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example. Now, he wants us to see Jesus so that when you and I begin to submit, when you and I begin to suffer for the sake of our faith, we don't kind of get a feeling that I'm all alone over here. He says, wait a minute, Christian. Would you look at your Savior? Now the word that is translated example comes from the Greek word hypographok. Hypo means place under and grapho means you place something as a graphic um, a block so that your drawing does not become crooked. A good example would be a tracing paper. Like when we learn to do our, our drawings, we take a light paper from where we could see something that is solid underneath. Something that is of worth copying underneath. We place the tracing paper and we make traces. That's the word that is given over there, it says, example. Christ is your example. Christ is the one who you need to follow. We follow in his steps. And our journey begins when we are called. Look at verse 21 again, it says that, for you have been called. And it's interesting that you have been called to suffer like Christ. Now that's not a very popular message nowadays. But we'll get to that. Where did Peter get this from? Matthew 16, we find that Jesus explains to Peter the basic qualifications required to become a disciple. And he said, in order for you to become a disciple, you should deny yourself, take up the cross. Brethren, there are two ways to go about when you come to the crossroad of Christianity. Deny yourself, take up the cross, or deny the cross, take up yourself. And Peter learned this and he said, deny and take up the cross is the way of a Christian. Why is this not being preached from many pulpits today? That the reason that you need to come and you need to align yourself to Jesus Christ, the reason is that it flies in the face of the popularity and the health and wealth gospel. Where the popular claim is that Jesus has called you so that you remain healthy, you remain wealthy, and you remain eternally secure. But here, Peter invites our attention and says, look at Christ, he is your example. And you see, the, him being an example is not that he is miles ahead of you, and you are somehow vaguely following him. 
That's not the idea over here. The idea is that you put your feet into his own footprint. You follow in his steps. That's the idea that Peter brings over here. Now, how are we to emulate his example? Peter gives us three ways. Number one, he refused to retaliate. Would you look at verse 23? It says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Number one, your example is, during your submission, you do not retaliate. That's the first example that you need to do on your tracing paper. What did Jesus do? Let's turn to Luke 23 and verse 35 onwards. Luke chapter 23 and verse 35. And it says, And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. This was also an inscription over him, Excuse me, there was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanging railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. Brethren, the point is, when he was accused falsely, he spoke not in return. Number two, how do you emulate Christ? He endured suffering without threatening. Matthew 27, though you could go to any of the other Gospels, we would turn to Matthew 27 and verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And the NIV says, and they did it over and over again. Now where is the triumphalism in that? Where is the victory in that? Jesus says that this is what they did to me. This is what they would do to you. He endured suffering without threatening. And number three, he displayed trust in the Father. How do you emulate Jesus? He displayed trust in the Father. When you are in a tight position, who do you display trust on? Jesus displayed trust on the Father. We need to wake up to the fact that God is in control even when you are in a tight spot. We need to realize the truth 
that God is still in control when the situation is unfavorable unto you. We need to realize the truth that not all wrongs will become right in your lifetime. We need to realize the truth that some of you might get martyred. We need to realize the truth that we live in a hostile world in a pagan culture which is not sympathetic to Christ and God has left it that way. Now this flies in the face of modern preachings from the pulpit. Therefore I want you to caution against all teachings that come on religious TV that God wants you to be happy. Let me correct that. God wants you to be holy. Not all wrongs against you will be righted. But trust God. Jesus trusted God because it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Secondly, we notice that Jesus is our sin bearer. Verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Now that, brethren, is the second foundation from where we get the strength to submit. He has borne all my sins. What did Jesus do? He brought salvation to the sinful. He opened the eyes of the blind. He set the captives free. He liberated those in captivity. Those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. This was the work of Jesus Christ and we can fully depend on it. A hundred percent. Therefore, your submission, let me caution you, when we study those verses, your submission is not to earn your salvation. It has already been earned. You work not for victory, you work from victory. And number three, and most importantly, Peter invites readers to the cross where the power to live a righteous life was purchased. Would you pay attention against to verse 24? It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The word over there, the operative word is so that. Did you see that in your Bibles? Would you want to read that again? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that. Brethren, there's a purpose for which Jesus went to the cross. Which is that now that your sins have been remitted, you begin to live a righteous life. First Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. How did that come about? Well, you need to go to the opening few verses of First Peter which says that you have been born again into a, into a hope that cannot be taken away. 
Now because of that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And then it says, you have been commissioned to call people out of darkness into his marvelous light. The power to live a righteous life has been given unto you at the cross. Would you come to the shepherd and overseer of your souls? Isn't that what verse 25 says? It's a picture of who our boss really is. What do you mean by overseer? Those of us who are working in offices, don't we have an overseer? Don't we have somebody we report to? And this word says that he is both our shepherd and our overseer. He is both the one who leads us by the still waters and makes us drink from the cool streams. And makes us lie down in green pastures. He is the same unto whom we report. Now do you get a foundation from where you could obey? In fact, there are two manifestations of this submission and we would have time to go through only one, which is from verse 13 through 17, which we read earlier. And the second part consists of servants submitting to the masters, which God willing we would take up at a later time. But that being our foundation, let's go back and study those verses together. Number one, would you notice in verse 13, The command. The command says, be subject to all authority. Now, why the specific command to subject ourselves? Why is it there a command to submit? Why is there a call to submit? Well, it's obvious that submission is not obvious. What comes naturally is rebellion. One of the first words a child learns is, no. Now where did that come from? And one of the first sense that a child has is a sense of fairness. Bring a bag of chocolates and try giving the bag to one of the child and say, you divide among yourselves and you will find if the child has got a sense of fairness. One of the whinings of our children is, that is not fair. I mean, we all have whined that at one point of time. Probably at the beginning of the year when the increment report comes in office and we say, and we see that someone other than us has got a fatter increment. We say, that's not fair. Now do you see why Peter wants us to submit? Because it's not natural. It's not natural for the fallen man. We dislike being told what to do. Correct? I mean, majority of us are from India and we are adept at making traffic lines multiplying the traffic lines when there are two lanes in India we have at least four because you dislike being told stand behind me 
And when the police says no entry, that's exactly the place that you decide to enter. Now on your way to church this morning, did any of you drive beyond the speed limits? Because when the law says 100 kilometers an hour, the horsepower of your car says, take me faster. And the depravity of the heart says, I can do better than 100. Therefore, the command, submit to all human authority. You see the importance of that in a Christian's life? Do you see the importance of that? God is more interested in how you and I live our daily mundane lives. You could be Mr. Holy on a Friday, stroke a Sunday. But live like a child of Belial the other six days. But the Bible says that the Lord is watching. Where can I hide from your spirit, O Lord? Another reason why this command is given that it is easy to say that I have a God unto whom I report. I don't report to human authorities. I live to a higher authority. I am answerable to God. And that would be the reason why some of us might not pay taxes. Because I am not a citizen of this world. The Bible teaches me and we have taken that truth literally. And we say that because I am not a citizen of this world, I don't pay taxes. But Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that belong to God. Another reason why we feel difficult to submit and this, this command is very appropriate is that we don't agree that these institutions deserve our submission. How about the government of Saudi Arabia? Does it demand your submission? How about North Korea? How about Indonesia? In fact, we had a major general elections in India and the party that is now in power is a fundamental Hindu party and many, many Christians prayed that this prime minister candidate would not become the prime minister. Because if he comes, Christians might be persecuted. And the humor of God is that he won by a majority. So one of the reasons why this command is important is that we feel this authority does not command my respect. Do you feel that about your bosses sometimes? Have you felt, my teacher is stupid? 
talking to some of the children right now. But I tell you that these authorities have been placed by God. Now that might come as a surprise, but the Hindu fundamentalist government in India is God's instrument in India. It is God's instrument in India. Now let's turn to Romans 13, read verse 1 and 2. Paul had a similar idea when he wrote to the Romans and he said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Look at the all comprehensive command over here. Let how many people? Every soul. Let all people be subject to who? Do you see a qualification to Christian governing authorities? Because I don't see that over here. It says, for there is no authority except from God And those that exist have been instituted by God. I want you to recognize two phrases over there. Very key in understanding. It says, from God and by God. Do you see that? Every authority is from God and by God. And I know that there are questions bursting in your heart, but please hold. If time permits, we could deal with those questions now or you could, we could deal with them in a later question and answer session. But all authority, now you might be asking one of the questions, let me address it right now, is Boko Haram from God? So I need to qualify what is a governing authority. A governing authority would be any form of government by human institutions that is for the protection and preservation and promotion of life and which promotes peace. Now you can exclude a lot of organizations from that, correct? Now we are addressing those. That includes the government of every nation because they exist for the promotion protection, preservation of life and the promotion of peace. Consider the opposite of that. It would be anarchy. And we witnessed that in Syria. Would you want an anarchic situation or a government, however non-Christian it might be, to be over you? What are your choices? Paul writing, he says that every authority is from God and by God. Number two, verse two. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, please pay close attention, resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. I want you to go back today and as you're driving, I want you to think what would happen If you drive over 100 and you don't get caught. 
you know what would happen if you get caught. But I want you to think, you drive over 100 or 120 and you don't get caught. And I want you to please recall this verse which says that anyone who resists will incur judgment. Therefore, we find two phrases by God and from God. Secondly, and quickly, let's notice the motive for our submission. It's again given in verse 13. It says, for the Lord's sake. Would you look at First Peter chapter 2? I trust you have your Bibles open with you. We are studying the word of God and not the word of man. I encourage you to please open your Bibles. God is most honored when we submit to his word. Verse 13, for the Lord's sake. Brethren, our submission is an outward expression of how we feel inside. Isn't that correct? You can see that readily in children. How much they are enthused about submission from the geography of their faces. And how much you and I love to submit is seen in our attitude of submission. You could come to the altar of submission stomping your feet. Or you could come there singing a hymn because you do it for the Lord's sake. Now this answers the question that you already had in your mind and which I have written down. Should I submit to civil governments even if they are bad, oppressive, tyrannical and even diabolical? Should I submit? The question is, would you do it for the Lord's sake? I've begun to love Peter's letter because he makes me look at my own life very closely. And incidentally, as the preparation for this message was going on, I found there, are, there were uprisings of rebellion within me to my own authorities at the workplace. Now, God gave me eyes to recognize that. I pray that from Sunday you would be able to recognize such uprisings in your own heart and weigh them against what the Bible says should be our conduct. Let me give you three quick reasons why we should submit. Number one, it is the will of God. And if you have any doubt about that, would you turn with me to verse 15? And it says, For this is, For this is, This is the will of God, That by doing good, 
you should silence. What is that doing good? Please read it in its context. The doing good is not giving alms to the poor in this context. We agree? Please let's study the word as it is given. The doing good that Peter addresses over here is what? The command that was given a little ahead. So the doing good is the will of God. If you take a list from the Bible about, and this is the will of God, did you ever imagine that submission to your own governmental authorities is God's will for you? I mean, we are quick to ask the Lord, Lord, is this your will that I marry X? Is this your will that I take up this course to study? Is this your will that I join this job? But how often have we paused to ask, Lord, I understand this is your will that I submit to this government. Would you give me the grace? The second reason... And quickly, it honors God. It honors God. We read that in Romans 13 and verse 2. It says that rebellion invites God's judgment. I want to put it positively. It says that obedience would invite God's rewards. That means he is honored. When you obey. When you submit. Number three. It makes us more like Christ. I mean isn't that a wonderful reason for you to begin submitting to whatever authority you have been placed under. You look more like Jesus. He is my hypographos, my example. Let me put it this way, if you resist authority, you have, as the salt, lost your saltiness. And as the light, you have refused to shine. We see that in verse 21 that we read, that Christ is our example. Go home and read Psalms 2 and you find rebellion. Psalms 2 is a psalm of rebellion of all the nations rebelling against who? Against God. But I want you to see the progression of rebellion. It begins first with a thought. And then it moves to words. And finally it ends in action. Would you watch your heart the next time you are compelled to submit? Christ entrusted himself to God. And when we place ourselves under civil authorities, we are in fact placing ourselves under God. So let me put it this way, the moment you begin to submit to authorities, it becomes an act of worship. The moment you begin to drive under 100 kilometers, it is an act of worship. 
The moment wives begin to submit to their husbands and the husbands begin to love their wives, it's an act of worship. Thirdly, let's look at the sweeping extent of this call. It says to every authority. And we've already dealt with that. But I want you to notice a few phrases. Let's go back to Romans 13. Romans 13. And three times in three verses, I think, or two verses, is it? Paul calls the government authorities servants of God. Would you notice that with me, please? Beginning from verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. There it is for the first time. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear a sword in vain, for he is, the second time, servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Six, for because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are, for the third time, ministers of God. To this very thing. But Peter gives you two extended, two examples. He says, as the emperor as supreme and as the governor under him. Now, it is not by coincidence that Peter gives these two. It says, emperor as supreme. That means the one who rules the nation as supreme. And the one who is immediately supervising you, a governor. That means that the king does not know you personally, but your teacher does. So you cannot have a dichotomy between I will submit to the king, but not to my own teacher or to the civil authorities in this case. You cannot do that. Because between you and God, God has instituted certain servants. And three times in these verses it is given that these are God's servants. That's the extent of the submission. Every authority to the kings and also to the governors. And what are their roles? Quickly, three roles. Number one, to restrain evil. Number two, to reward good. And number three, to punish wickedness. All this you find in First Peter 2.14. I'm not saying anything out of the scriptures right now. These are the three that you find over there. Also cross-reference this with Romans 13 you would find three major responsibilities of government.
and we move on to the fourth notice the goal or the objective we already considered that the objective is to put to silence those who are ignorant i mean the the word put to silence is a very graphical word it's the same word that is used to muzzle a ferocious dog i know some of us want to muzzle some of the people in our lives but the bible says the right way to do that is by submitting i mean have you ever thought that you submitting to an authority would close the mouth of critics the ignorance of foolish men says the bible over here that you may silence the ignorance of foolish men the objective is evangelistic do you want a lifestyle evangelism even as we have a victory night coming up then begin to obey the authorities and the people will wonder what you are made of finally the attitude in our liberty quick fire attitudes in our liberty let's read verse 16 and verse 17 and we'll also come back to romans want you to leave your finger there first peter 2 16 and 17 number 1 live as people who are free i mean in your own mind do you get confused over here it says that submit to authority but live as free people i mean how is submission linked to liberation but let's go on we'll deal with that soon not using your freedom as a cover up for evil now this is your answer living as servants of god this is how you live your liberty under authority you live as servants of god what's your attitude what's your attitude would you live as free men then obey the law would you want to live as liberated ones then become servants of god do not use your liberty as a cover up for evil that means that do not use your faith to do what you want i am free to do what i want absolutely but the parameters are defined by the bible i am at liberty to live the way i want absolutely as long as christ who is in you permits it i can watch any channel on tv for sure if christ is sitting next to you do not use your freedom as a cover up for wickedness and then verse 17 honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor want to close by reading the last few verses of Romans 13 i mean verse 7 yeah just verse 7 
practical implications pay to all what is owed to them you owe a debt to society to live like christ that's your debt to society not to live on top of a mountain and live holy away from all temptations away from all manner of authorities in the midst of a pagan culture in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation live as a christian pay to all what is owed to them and it gives a few practical payments taxes to whom taxes are due revenue to whom revenue respect to whom respect honor to whom honor is owed in conclusion beloved would you live an exemplary life even in the midst of persecution nobody said it would be easy if somebody did they lied to you but jesus says come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke for my yoke is easy and my burden is light i realize that there are many questions that we have left unanswered one of them is how to draw the line between becoming a champion of change and a submissive servant we've not touched upon that how do i draw the difference between becoming a martin luther or a martin luther junior who stood up for a change and a martyr who died under different tyrannical governments where do i draw the line i would leave that to you but would i would i cry to you this afternoon and say would you consider jesus and then make the choice let's bow our hearts in prayer father we agree that this light momentary affliction is working for us a far greater glory lord would you help us as citizens to submit to authority Hallelujah. Let's be on our feet as we close. Praise the Lord. A most profound and graphic word this afternoon. And as I sat, the Holy Ghost said something very profound to me that we need to understand that submission is demanded. submission is demanded by god from us and it is the first proof of our obedience to him the first proof of our obedience to him and obedience is the stronghold of our faith and our faith is the pathway to the glory we seek praise god
So that's how it works. It all begins with a lifestyle of submission. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 9. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who did not think of it, even though he, was, he came as a son of God, but he did not think of it robbery with God. But he humbled himself as a servant. He submitted. That's where it started from. And became obedient to the death of the cross. And look at glory at the end of it. Praise God. So let's take grace. Lord, I receive grace today to live a lifestyle of submission in every area of my life. Are you praying? Lord, I receive that grace today to live a lifestyle of submission. I understand today that it's a demand. I take that grace, the grace to labor in submission and to walk in total submission to your ordinances, O oh God, to the loss of life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Romans, um, Hebrews 13, 17 spoke something very graphic about leadership. Now, it says we must submit to our leaders because they will give account of their stewardship to God. Now, picture this. The man stands before God and says, this, your son, did not submit to me before God. Where will you be then? Praise God. That leader, give me account. Lord, you gave them to me, but they didn't submit. That shall not be our portion. That shall not be our portion. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you and for me that the grace to truly submit like Jesus be imparted into our lives in the name of Jesus. As we go into this week, it will show in our lives that something has imparted in the name of Jesus. What we are looking for is at the altar of submission. It's at the altar of submission. I pray that as we walk in this mind also, that desire shall be released in the name of Jesus. Go in peace. This week shall be a week of testimonies for you. God shall go before you, shall make every crooked place plain, and every rough place is smooth. In this journey of life, you shall not crash your destiny. In the name of Jesus. Everyone traveling is covered by the blood of Jesus. And as we tabernacle tomorrow by the men's fellowship, the Lord will answer us again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.